Welcome everyone to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney. Our goal here is to give you some actionable takeaways that will help you lead your teams. Thanks for joining us on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney, and I'm here today with one of my absolute favorite teachers, coaches, mentors, and all around people. Mark Taylor is in the house today. Hello, Mark. Hello, Christine. Just to give you a little intro into this wonderful person, if you don't know him already, Mark has run numerous companies in his past, but he's also a CEO, master chair, ex chair of excellence, star award winner, and most recently the COPE award winner for 2022, which is basically an award given to the Vistage chair that has the greatest contribution to the Vistage mission and values. And he does that in so many ways. I am in uh, one of his CEO groups. He has many. He works with hundreds of CEOs and key executives across the country, especially here in New York. And I can tell you that he's brought things that he and I completely agree and, and get excited, jazzed about. And that is uh, tribal leadership, positive intelligence, and now what we're going to talk about today, which is the six types of working genius. So welcome, Mark. And um, as an intro, before we jump into the, the nitty gritty, I wanted to, to just remind people or tell you, introduce to you for the first time what the six types of working genius is. It comes from the Patrick Lencioni and his people at the table group. And it's a probably 10 minute assessment that helps you to see what brings you the most joy, satisfaction, and energy at work. And through this process, I know uh, myself and also Mark have worked with numerous people on this, and it's just amazing what it does to who you are as a person, how you lead, how you work, how you can honestly find more joy and satisfaction, not only individually, but also with your teams and for the company as a whole, because we're constantly talking about how to get people more engaged in their work. And this has been a great tool in my estimation. And Mark is the one who introduced me to it. So I wanted to invite you here, Mark, to get your take on it and um, kind of talk with, first of all, maybe we should just tell people what our geniuses are because we've done it. What are your geniuses? Well, they're the same as yours. Discernment <laughs> and galvanizing. And uh, the very fact that we're discerning that this is the best assessment out there is the very reason everyone should do it because we're both discerners and came to the same conclusion. No wonder I like you. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we both have discernment, which basically people that can assess easily and get excited about assessing the merit and workability of an idea. And then we also have galvanizing, right, which generate people that can generate enthusiasm and action around an idea to get it started. So anyway, with that in mind, and all of the geniuses are equally good, right, not just ours, all of the ones are equally good. And that's kind of one of the exciting things when you see teams work with it is like how valuable it can be. So from your perspective, Mark, what do you think is like, why do you think using your discernment, why do you think this tool is so good and stands out from, from others that you've used in the past? Because I know you've done all of them. Yes, I have done all of them and I'm certified in several of them, including Myers-Briggs and uh, the DISC. Uh, I've done the predictive index. I've done the Enneagram. And, you know, I found that most of them were useful, but when... Uh, 
Pat introduced this one and I got to be introduced to it in person with him, it, it blew my mind. I mean, it just blew my mind. First, it was so simple because there's only six, six geniuses, two of which are your genius, two of them, which are your frustration. And it's easy to remember. I can remember two. And then the two that are my frustrating just made so much sense. It, it not only gave me self-awareness, it gave me a sense of relief and the opportunity to really use my gifts with pride and to give away my frustrations without guilt. I mean, those were like the two huge takeaways that, uh, that blew my mind when he talked to us about them. Yeah, I agree. I love that idea of that kind of guilt and judgment, whether it's on ourselves or on others, for either how what we're not good at or what we feel that others aren't good at that they should be because it comes easy to us. You brought up a great point in that it's not just your geniuses that this gives you, but it gives you your two competencies. So things that you're good at. And a lot of times people think those are your geniuses, right? Because you're good at them, but it can burn you out over time if you spend too much time working in those competencies. And then the frustrations, usually people are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's definitely my frustration. And so we tend to either hate our work if we're working too much in our frustrations. We tend to avoid things if they're too much in our frustrations, so where have you seen it really work for either yourself, like a specific story of where it's really worked for yourself or maybe another CEO or key executive that you work with? You know, when he first said discernment was my genius and I read what that is, I mean, I kind of knew that. I mean, I, I didn't know it was a genius, but I knew that that was like my personality, that I could discern things. In fact, you know, you and I seem to be a little different this way. I'm an Enneagram type one for those that are familiar with that. So I can see inherently what's wrong with something. I, I mean, I could walk into a room and I can see that, you know, there's a flower that's like this way when everyone's saying that there's a perfect bouquet. And I never considered that a genius. Uh, in fact, you know, my, my wife, who has the uh, genius of inventing and uh, discernment, she comes up with lots of ideas, lots of ideas. And I would automatically say, what's wrong with it? And she would say, you're raining on my parade. And normally, it, you know, was a uh, constraint in our relationship so that I, I wasn't offering it. I wasn't seeing it as a genius. But when he said it was a genius, wow, it clicked that I could use this as a force for good. And I think working with hundreds of CEOs and senior executives, why this career working as a, as a Vistage chair has worked so well for me is that people want me to provide them some feedback and some discernment. And, and it's something that's going to be helpful. It doesn't mean that I'm right, but it's going to be a perspective that can shift the way that they do things and have a huge implication in their life. And then the other one, galvanizing, which, again, I never considered that a genius to galvanize, but when I've talked to other people and worked with teams and I see how hard it is for the galvanize, and when I had my own company and a sales team, it's like, I don't get it. What's so hard? Just pick up the phone and make some phone calls, you know, get excited, you know, and they're like, oh, I can't do that. It's so hard. I didn't have any compassion for them because it was so natural to me. So like all of these assessment exercises, what I learned is that people see the world differently. They don't see through the same lens that I see. And for working with executive teams, this is perfect. Because 
typically the CEO or the boss thinks that the way they see the world is the way that the world is. But if they can see what the geniuses of each of the members of their team are and then can count on them and ask them and invite them to give their perspective, that's where I see true collaboration begin. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story that you shared about your assistant and finally feeling guilt about that. I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about, because I think a lot of people can relate to that story. So I have an assistant, her name's Daphne, and she's been with me for eight years. And Daphne has the genius of enablement and tenacity. What are those, Christine? Enablement and tenacity. Enablement are those wonderful people that kind of agree to support and assist in the implementation of anything. They're people that know, kind of can tell who has too much on their plate, who can take on more. They're wonderful people. They tend to be really nice people and like easy to work with, whether they're friends or whether they're in your workplace. And then tenacity are those people who kind of absolutely commit to ensuring that an idea or something gets done and that results get achieved. Yeah. So super important. Very important. Enablement is my frustration. Now you wouldn't think that somebody that's an executive coach would have enablement as your frustration, but what I learned about it, because I thought that didn't make sense when I learned it, is that if somebody wants me to support them in their strategy and their plan, that's not something I get very excited about. That's why I've always and either the boss or the CEO or an independent contractor is that, you know, I don't get that excited about going to somebody else's idea. It's frustrating. It doesn't mean we can't do these things. It's frustrating. And tenacity is my competence, but it's not my genius. So I can do the details, but I'll tell you, after doing details, like if I'm reviewing the, you know, invoices or the accounts receivable, I mean, I can do it. I understand a financial statement, but it wears me out. I mean, an hour of that and I'm exhausted, which is now what I understand what people that don't have the genius of galvanizing when they say they could, they can go to a party, they can network, they can do things, but it just wears them out. It gives me a lot more compassion for them. So I would feel guilty about all the work that I give my assistant Daphne. I mean, she does all of the agendas for the meetings and she does a beautiful job. And she loves doing it. In fact, there was one time, you know, I got, you know, I saw that she worked on this one agenda for four hours. And I'm like, oh, my God, this agenda is not worth the amount of money that I'm paying you to work on this. And she said, no, 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 I'll do it for free. I love doing this. I mean, what I hate doing, she loves doing. And so I'm actually providing her a gift when I'm delegating these things, which takes away all this guilt that I had on my shoulders and allows me to contribute to her because she loves to do it. I love giving her things that she loves to do. It makes me feel good about giving her something to do. Yeah, I love that. And then it just frees everybody up. You know, I work with um, one of the women that I coach at a project management firm. She was saying to me in one of our meetings, like, oh, I feel like I'm not, I don't know if this is the right job for me. I don't feel like I get to use my creativity enough. And I was like, hmm. And I looked at her working genius assessment and I said, well, it's interesting. You have a lot of tenacity and enablement, right? So what do you mean by creativity? Like what? She goes, well, well, maybe it doesn't have to be creativity, but like I started working on 
this spreadsheet the other day where it could, on whimsical, where it could lead to one thing or another. And it was kind of choose your own adventure. And she goes, I got so excited. I was color coding and I was changing the fonts on. And to me, that is the most, like, I, I would just never be able to sustain energy for that. But to her, that was creativity. And that was her way that that shows itself in the world. And she just lit up. So I was like, great, do more of that. That is exactly what your job can be. It's just adding your genius to it. And so we pushed her and she's now presenting it at their company meeting. And she's so that now all of a sudden those conversations have shifted to like, instead of bemoaning, like maybe there's not enough opportunities for me in this job. Well, how can you take this job and make it just with slight changes, adjust it to get just 10%, 20% more of what you love. And it actually, if you do that, is going to affect others in the company and help the company overall as a whole. You know, I love, I love that idea. You also said something that I loved where you said in that uh, discernment genius that you were able to kind of shift perspectives. And I think that's true because I had a similar but different experience. When I saw discernment, I just thought that was wrong. Like it just seemed like just way too, um, I don't know, before I knew really what it was, it it felt too, you know, I find myself so optimistic and positive that I was like, this sounds, doesn't sound like me. And then when I started looking at it, I was like, no, that is me completely. And I never really saw it as a genius. I saw it as something that maybe slowed us down or, you know, avoided some of the tenacity parts that come later in the process of work. But now I really see it. And to me, it's about when do I use it? If I use it when we're at the end of a process, my team hates it. They're like, why is she doing this now? We have to get this done. It, it's good enough. It cannot keep getting better and better and better, right? Does just let us finish something because we have the problem sometimes of not finishing. And I had to look at myself and go, I think that's me. I just keep going, now it can be better. Let me fix this. So I appreciated seeing like, okay, this discernment genius, I have to use it right away in the beginning, you know, when we've come up with an idea before it gets out onto the the line until it starts going down. Yeah. And that's what other things I liked about it is that, you know, it follows the way a project works. You know, it starts with wonder at the top, somebody wondering something and then somebody inventing something. And then the sermon, is this a good idea? I mean, Pat told us the story that a shoe company that he worked with by the name of Nike, uh, they would invent lots of shoes, but they wouldn't go to market because they didn't have anyone on the team with the discernment to say, you know, that shoe's not such a good idea. Maybe you should skip that design. So you have discernment and then galvanizing somebody that's got to get people excited about it. And then the enablement that people get excited about it. And then the tenacity that people to bring it over the finish line. And if you don't do them at the right stage of a project, it's going to create friction. It's going to be you know, it's create a problem like discerning when they're in the tenacity mode isn't useful or wondering if we should even do that isn't useful. So yeah. we both know a couple of wanderers that are in our this stage group. The other thing that I, I really learned from this was because wonder is my frustration. I don't know if it's your frustration. Mine too. Yes. Wonderers seem to like take a long time to wonder about something and they're kind of going all over the place. And I'm like, come on, let's, you know, what is it? You know, get to the point. And, and I've learned to, again, I got to slow down and let them wonder that that's their gift. And, and now 
I can go and say, okay, wonders, what about this? What are you wondering about? And really solicit their genius to bring them in and again to create a level of collaboration that I see from working genius that I haven't seen from any of the other assessments. I mean, it's it's useful to know, you know, what people's working styles are, if they're dominant or if they're the detail person or if they're the steady Eddie person. But I don't know that it helps you create and collaborate on a project the way that working genius does. And it's so easy to remember. That's what I love about it. I mean, you can do this with, you know, your team and you know what everybody is on the team so that then you can give them tasks according to their level of genius and not frustrate them. So I think you're engaging people more in your workplace as well. Yes. I don't know if I told you this story, Mark, but I think you'll appreciate it. And maybe you guys out there can relate to it. I was doing a a workshop session on on the working genius with teams at this one company. And at one point I divided them up by their pairing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so by whatever was the most dominant genius. So you had all the tenacity, very strong tenacity people, one group, whoever had strongest as enablement and one, you know, you had the invention group, the wanderers, you know, and then they, all the question was, is that you have to plan the next company holiday party right? Simple. Gave them a few minutes. Well, just walking around and watching how they worked was interesting. You could see, and I had to reflect this back to them because they can't see it because they're in it. But like the enablement group, for instance, everybody was like in a circle, listening to each other, very supportive of all the ideas, you know, hardly getting even to the the final stage because they wanted to make sure everybody was heard. The tenacity people are always done first. They're done in like five minutes. And I'm always like, how did you do that? No matter how big the group is, you know, the wanderers, they have a million, they have pictures, they're drawing, they're, you know, doodling. They, they never have like a clear vision of what they're producing, but there's a, there's something in it, you know, and the discerners one, well, I'll tell you what happened with, with the invent ventures and discerners in just a second. But the we presented them and I always go in order. So you can see, right, we start with the wanderers and people are watching them going, what are they talking about? Like they are taking us on this like, you know, virtual reality trip of whatever. And people are like, how does this work for a holiday party? Like, but you can see everybody just listening, you know, and then the invention group goes and the invention group is amazing. Right. I mean, they have things happening at the top of the Met to a scavenger hunt to here to they have worked it all into a theme, you know, and then the discerners go next and they're like, oh, well, you know, we had a similar thing. We were going to go on a um, boat trip around Manhattan, but then we realized that some people might get sick and then some people might, this might happen. So we just decided that the boat won't move. It'll just be there. And I'm like, leave it to discerners to take the fun out of anything. <laughs> like they over discerned it so much that it was no longer like there was, they took all the fun out of the invention idea that was there, you know? And I thought, oh, that's funny. If you don't have someone else like combating that, what can happen, right? Because then it gets all about the rules and the possibilities of, of problems. And then the, the galvanizing group, everybody presents, you know, they're all up there. They, it's not just one presenter, they're all talking and they always go over time. And it's usually like, they forget to say the details, but they are, we're all ready to go. You know, we're ready at the end of it. And then the enablement group goes, it's very nice. And they all have a voice and they, they use words like, well, when we got together and we had this idea, oh, and so-and-so had this idea, don't forget so-and-so also did this. And they share, like they share the, the credit. And then the tenacity people go and they go, um, 
I think we might have done this wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, well, we just planned last year's party. And and I was like, what? They were like, yeah, we just got the agenda from last year's party and just put it back out. That's why we were done so quick. Like it works. Why change it? And I thought, how funny. And I asked the group, I said, which of these parties is most likely to happen in an efficient way? And they're like the tenacity people. We know it works. But which one are you most excited about going to? And it was always the invention group. So then it's like, what if those people, when you were planning your holiday party, what if you had a mixture of this? What would happen then? And then you see the light bulbs go off, right? And then they start going, wait a minute, who do I have on my team? Who don't I have on my team? How can I adjust these geniuses on my working group, depending on what the project is? And I just thought it's it happens. We do the same one with group after group, and it's a version of the same thing. You know, it's just... I find it so uh, fascinating as to what happens. It is. It is. You know, Pat's first book was The Five Dysfunctions of Team. And I think they renamed it, you know, The Five Behaviors of High-Performing Teams. And, and he said at this meeting that I was at with him that he wished he would have written Working Genius first. Because The Five Dysfunctions of Team, the first one is trust. And Working Genius is something that brings trust because you learn to trust, you know, the, the inventors, you learn to trust the, the tenacity, you learn to trust what their geniuses are. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I highly recommend that every executive team take advantage of this tool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming. It was a pleasure to spend a little time with you this morning. If you're interested in learning more about the six types of working genius and how you can use it more in your life or in your workplace, listen to the other episodes that we have on this topic and you can see it in the show notes. I promise you it will be worth it. Also check out Mark's podcast. You'll find it on many platforms, but it's called Helping Leaders Achieve What Matters. And where can they find you, Mark? They can find me at uh, marktaylor.nyc because there was a lot of Mark Taylors in the world that couldn't get the com. Uh, <laughs> they can see me on LinkedIn if they just do Mark Taylor and Vistage. Uh, they'll see me there. You can see uh, a lot of LinkedIn live events that turn into podcasts. And you can see me on the YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel as well. so. Easy to find. Get yourself a little Mark Taylor in your life. I promise you, your life will be better and more enriched. Thank you so much, Mark, and learn about your geniuses. I can't wait to hear about them. Thank you, Christine. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to seeing you again. Hey, everybody, Greg Shammy here. As we're closing out today's episode, I've got an awesome opportunity for your new managers and people leaders. Starting May 1st, our transformative eight-week online course called Leadership Learning Lab will kick off. In this course, managers will learn how to build trust and engage their teams, communicate more effectively, and empower themselves and others to achieve success. Imagine if early in your career you had learned how to master the art of impactful feedback or how to navigate performance conversations with ease and even how to delegate effectively. This course is an investment in your team to help your company grow and achieve ultimate success. It's an opportunity that will help your people transform their leadership skills in just eight weeks. Spots are limited. Pre-sales open right now. This is a chance to get ahead and secure spots for your team members at a 10% discount. Use the code PRESALE, one word. Click on the link in the show notes for more info. And thank you so much for joining Christine today. I look forward to seeing your team in our leadership Learning Lab.